Electric bicycles are my jam. I'm turning into a nut for a good e-bike. It's easy to get around, we save gas not driving our car for short trips to the store, and I'm getting a little extra exercise. The folks at Velotrick are sponsoring a series of videos on my channel to show off some affordable e-bikes and help people get up to speed. It's easier than you think, and prices have never been more competitive. You can catch those videos on my YouTube channel, but if you're interested in shopping an e-bike, head over to velotrick.bike slash some gadget guy and look at their road bikes and fat tires. Again, V-E-L-O-T-R-I-C dot B-I-K-E slash some gadget guy. Velatric dot bike slash some gadget guy. If any of those bikes look good to you, you can save an additional $60 off an already low price by using the coupon code SOMEGADGET60, SOMEGADGET60 at checkout. Once again, Velatric dot bike slash some gadget guy and coupon code SOMEGADGET60. And I thank Velatric for being a sponsor on this show. I believe this means we are live. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, tech fans of all shapes and sorts and sizes and persuasions, welcome to another episode of the Monday Morning Tech Chat Show on the STGQA podcast channel. I'm Juan Carlos Bagnell, a.k.a. Some Gadget Guy, the SGG of this horribly named podcast series, but the QA is the important part, obviously stands for question and answer, and that could never be more important than it is on the last Monday of the month. Because that's our pajama podcast. I'm not holding to a tight structure. <laughs> I never hold to a tight structure. Let's let's not pretend I'm good at the podcasting. But I'm not holding to like, you know, doing the housekeeping and the news block and then the tech block and then maybe plugs and things like that. When we get to the last Monday of the month, I think we're all pretty whooped. And January has flown by. This has been so fast. We hit the ground running um, actually, I mean, like if you think about it, for tech that was really going to be focused on and sold in 2024, we hit the ground running in the beginning of December of 2023, and it's just been a wind sprint since then. So we've gone through CES, we've gone through multiple phone launches, we've gone through Apple finally giving us some more information about their mixed reality headset. There's been so much to jump into and cover, and I'm still fielding, like, I've been having to turn companies down on products to review and to talk about and to uh, test drive from my channel because there's literally too much to talk about. There's literally too much for a single YouTuber to cover adequately. If you just don't want a bunch of videos of me going like, hey guys, this is a thing and it's got specs, smash that bell icon and appreciate the pretty B-roll. So, Welcome. <laughs> we are going to ramble our way through probably two hours of utter tech shenanigans and nonsense. I'm going to take a drink of coffee and then we're going to do a little bit of a roll call right here now. As always, uh, because of this new audio chain that I'm working with, please, uh, if anything starts to sound kind of funky, uh, let me know. Uh, let me know if stuff is borking or is getting weird. All right, Brian Glaze, A number one with the bullet, just jumping in to say we in here. We got JGJ saying major story of 2024, January tech layoffs. It's absolutely something we should probably be talking about as the tech industry and the gaming industry is going a little crazy with appeasing the shareholders right now. 
We got Muppinish. I hope everyone can give Muppinish a little shout. Uh, only plus with having COVID, being able to catch the SGG podcast live. So I hope you're feeling all right. It's no joke. I- I'm not with these people that are acting like COVID is now just a cold. Take care of yourself. Rest up. Get well. Talk to your doctors. Don't let that. Don't go light on that. We got Copacash saying happy PJ Monday. Happy pajama podcast. If that's crime. All right, uh, Ghost Starscream, we're going to talk about the Pixel 9 leak that was provided by someone who buys his renders from official manufacturers. We should probably chat about the Pixel 9. I, I like the look of the Pixel 9 leak. We can we can jump on that. We've got Lamprose Bows. Hey, guys. Bros. Lamprose Bros. Hey, guys. Good afternoon from me. Jman150 is giving us a wave. We've got Gary the Fireman saying, good morning, geeks. Cedric Owen saying, what up, peeps? I don't know if you two planned it, but you unintentionally rhymed. So uh, Cedric and Gary, y'all like tag teaming. I don't know who's going to be the hype man and wear the big old oversized clock on a gold chain, but uh, y'all representing. (laughs) J-Man150 coming in hype. We're back. Happy Monday. I can't believe how close we are to February 2024 leap year. Uh, We got Barry Johnson announcing present. JGJ, do you have a tea to soothe your voice? Um, yeah, my voice is already coming in a little bit rough for this one, so I'm going to probably keep the tone a little more conversationally chill. I actually turned up the gain on my mic, which is why I did the mic check call before taking a sip of coffee. Um, if uh, I'm trying to speak at a lower level, there are lots of things you can do to kind of ease the discomfort of a blown-out voice, but there's nothing that can cure it. There's nothing that can, like, help you heal except taking time off and not talking. And we all know that that's impossible for me. I won't shut up. <laughs> so my, my go-to, I mean, especially at night before bed, I try not to speak too much. And I think my wife appreciates that. Um, but I will do, like, chamomile and honey. I know that's not, I, everybody has their, like, oh, you use this throat coat or you use this lozenge. And, yeah. I've, I've found that a varying success, whatever kind of soothes you or comforts you or just kind of minimizes some of the pain of the inflammation, then that's about as good as you can do. We got Nick Gay saying, sup, Pitbull. Um, T-Bub saying, morning one, glad to be back on a Monday. I'm glad to have y'all here back on a Monday. Nation is saying, I'm here for the tech rambles. We gon' ramble some, son. <laughs> I think we got Cedric. We got Bionic Scoop with the Lurk Squad. H2O Taku saying hello. Um, I'm just Muppinish audio chain. So that's where the rattling is coming from. Get it? Because it's a chain. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Okay, Muppinish is feeling fine, but their nose is completely stuffed up. Get get that gunk out of there. Exercise out whatever is in there. Whatever kind of spicy foods, comfort foods, keep a box of tissues there. Don't let it stay up there because then it's going to become a sinus infection. All right, I am not a doctor. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a tech podcast. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Gary the Fireman says Howard Stern lives on hot water with lemon. So citrus is good, but if your voice is really inflamed, sometimes throwing acid on it, not a great plan. 
Now that can be soothing. Uh, some hot water just kind of helps loosen things up. Absolutely. But the, the actual like science of your vocal folds and how your voice works, the only thing that's going to help you really get better is just not using your voice. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty gross. The human body is filthy. <laughs> it's really disgusting. And however we choose to manage that, I mean, that's just kind of up to us. <laughs> See, Muffinish, I had like a smooth, not a doctor transition, but then I went and ruined it by going back to talk more about things that I'm not really qualified to talk about. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Oh, uh, Nation. So we're, if we want, we can lead in with some Threads uh, conversation because I find Threads to be pretty, pretty toxic. Jman150 is saying posture check. So I'm going to just kind of give myself a little bit of a stretch there. Nation says, uh, Joan Westernberg blocked me on Threads for saying that the DMA stuff is about giving iPhone users choice. How are some of these folks employed as tech writers? So um, my experiences on Threads have been very disappointing of late. Um, I've really been trying to make a concerted effort, picking out a couple of my friends who I feel they deserve a bit more traffic. I'm trying to employ the philosophy that we had on the subreddit. This is tech commentary that you feel deserves more attention. And I don't have a huge following on threads, but according to Facebook, 2,200 people have automatically subscribed to my threads from following me on Instagram. Because that's really all it is, is they gamed their own photo sharing service to make people feel special so that you didn't have that awkward setup like you do on Mastodon. A lot of people will complain that Mastodon is too techy and confusing. But really the big problem is, is you sign up on Mastodon and you're starting from zero. Eggshell you are not popular and you actually have to interact with people and build up that social media credit again. So Threads comes around and the big hook is, well, if you sign in with your Instagram account, we're going to automatically um, help you follow people that you followed on Instagram. And then we're going to send you out to people who followed you on Instagram and you're already going to know that each other exist. Um, we're already into the second stage of impupification. The initial wave of threads was wide open and lots of people were kind of playing around and you could see some really interesting conversations happening. And now when you go into threads and you basically let the algorithm do its thing, you're already seeing that kind of vice grip. If something is divisive, if something is kind of hostile, if something is a debate, that kind of content is going to get nudged up the priority of your algorithmically sorted feed. So I will go through and I'll find guys. I mean, like Barry Johnson is in the chat right now and he's been sharing other people's stuff. And so I'm sharing Barry sharing other people's stuff. I don't know how to tell an algorithm that like a couple people here really feel like this content deserves more attention and we'll get like five likes. And then I'll go out and say something like, but iPhone, am I right, guys? Isn't Android better? Explodes. Tons of interactions, tons of comments, tons of likes, shares, quotes, everything. So we know that there's a ratcheting effect. 
and I believe the tail is now wagging the dog. A lot of people are going to come in and say, well, Juan, people like to get into these kinds of arguments. And I feel like they are also being trained by Facebook to look for whatever is the most divisive in any kind of conversation that's happening. So, Nation, I'm, I'm sorry that that happened to you. And I, I think I was also a part of the thread that you might be mentioning. Um, someone was complaining about Apple being forced to comply with these EU regulations and how this is going to open up so many uh, potential security issues if iPhones can use other types of web browsers. And my contribution was pretty snarky. I made a joke saying, like, you you care about iPhone security, but also Safari is the leakiest. It was something along those lines. So I wouldn't be surprised if I was muted or blocked by Joan also. Um, But unfortunately, that's what we're being trained to do. We're being trained by these platforms that if you want attention and you want to upgrade your social credibility, be more attractive to advertisers and get more reach for your articles and your videos, that you have to play Facebook's game. Facebook's game is be toxic, be vile, be confrontational and argue everything. And that's what's going to happen. So I, I uh, posted a quip I wanted to see after everything that I've been doing with with like guys like Barry. And I also I was reaching out to Scott and just saying like Scott Peachy, he really shares thoughtful stuff. He really cares about the sort of broad tech conversation. And I was kind of trying to give him a few extra plugs, too. And uh, I did another little quippy post about, oh, hey, guys, the smartphone hasn't plateaued. Apple and Samsung have plateaued. And again. It didn't matter that I had been trying to participate and share and like and comment on all of this broad spectrum tech stuff. Hey guys, iPhone versus Samsung, am I right? Exploded. Peaked. That is all the evidence I need to know. I cannot invest in threads. That threads is already on the path to becoming what we already hated about uh, Twitter under Elon Musk. This is already the F bad <laughs> for our mental health. So it, it's really time to kind of compartmentalize. It's not like I'm not going to use threads because I need to play that stupid game of doing social media as a business. So I will participate with social media as a business. But if you would really like to get into thoughtful conversations with people who really care about this stuff, and we're talking the hardest core of hardcore nerds, you can't beat Mastodon. If you if you say you're into tech and you really do have a passion and a fandom for technology and geeky stuff, and you can't figure out your way into setting up Mastodon and following a couple hashtags, you might not be into tech as much as you think you are. (laughs) Simon says, Hypno, uh, Honey, Lemon, and WD-40. Yeah, that would lubricate the old vocal folds, I would imagine. Gary the Fireman. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. So, but Gary, your name is Gary the Fireman. So I have to believe that you have had more first aid and medical support training than I have, uh, than I have had as an Eagle Scout. Okay. So I would be a billion percent more confident in your ability to assess and triage a medical situation. I'm just saying. 
Uh, Brian Glaze is saying, I still haven't gotten on Threads. Uh, JGJ, Threads is supposed to be Fediverse compatible. Nothing can go wrong there, LOL. That has been a huge debate on Mastodon because Federation has to work both ways. Threads can say, sure, we're opening this up and you can follow other people and other people can follow us. But each Mastodon instance is its own server with its own rules and they can say, but we don't want Facebook in here. So I'll be really curious to see when Facebook really flips the switch on threads for that kind of uh, cross-platform compatibility, whether other instances are going to jump on. Because the thing about Facebook is they can always make you feel good about giving you a ton of followers. Their algorithm is really good at getting you a little attention, and then that kind of strokes your ego, and then you go chasing that, and it's kind of like a high and then they turn it off because they want to monetize or they're going to serve ads or, you know what, you know, you've got thousands of followers, but only a hundred saw your last post. I guess you need to boost it. So if you just pay us, then you can reach the rest of your followers. And Facebook is the F toxic when it comes to manipulating your feels like that. Um, Ghost Star Scream, that's not really a good opinion. Why would someone go to a platform they don't like just because that said platform has what said person wants? And Brian Glaze kind of immediately answers, you got to get that rage bait in. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Muppinish is running Windows 11 on their duo. That is hardcore nerd. Good for you. Um, Dave Burns, and I, again, I, I have been in, interacting with Dave a lot on Mastodon. Uh, Mastodon gives me way more meaningful interactions than Twitter ever did. I'm okay with quiet nerds talking to me and liking my toots on the mammoth. It is night and day different. And you don't get the sick, visceral thrill of constantly fighting with people. But you also meet just a wider array of wacky nerds. And he, like, I've learned so much more about like Linux and FOSS software. And uh, like, it really is a lovely place to hang out. I'll go visit threads and drop a snarky post here and there, but I kind of live in Mastodon these days. Uh, let me scroll this down right now. <laughs> JGJ. Yeah, that journalism degree is really valuable nowadays. I, you know, we do really need a proper fourth estate, not to rein in the politicians, but to rein in the big tech these days. Fat Produce, Andrew, what's up? Greetings, Earthlings. Glad to see you in the chat, buddy. This is great. Um, and Brian Glaze, absolutely true. Facebook is gaslighting king. It's next level gaslighting. It is intense. It is like doing gymnastics while camping. It's flipping intense. Yeah? Yeah? Did I stick the landing on that? What's the Russian judge say? Did, did I get it? <laughs> that joke! Because the original version of that joke is it's like, uh, it's like participating in lovemaking while camping. It's effing intense. See? Yeah? Hey, nice one. So um, speaking of dad jokes and being a dad, um, I, I do want to kind of tell a little bit of a story. I, uh, I'm curious. Uh, we, we have uh, an array of nerds. Go start screen just giving me boo. 
So I heard the making love while camping joke first, and I repurposed it for it's like doing gymnastics while while camping. So that that's my addition. I I I feel I. I'm sure someone else has made that joke, but I came up with it independently to make it more PG than the PG-13 original version. Because you get one F-bomb in PG-13. So anyway, uh, being a dad and loving uh, the dad jokes and stuff. And I have a wide array of, of, of nerds in this chat. And I want to preface this first with the big old question like, if you have kids or like if you have nieces and nephews or if you have younger family members, how do we start handling, especially on the younger side, how do we start handling those situations when a kid does something like uh, they break an expensive gadget? So um, for, for, in my opinion, and and I've been we've been having this conversation a lot with Marie because Lex is young, but we're trying to slowly introduce her to tech. Like she started with her own MP3 player. She's been taking really good care of her nice fancy headphones. She has a smartwatch. But um, two nights ago, uh, we don't do a ton of screen time, but at night we'll let her pick some TV shows or a movie or something like that. And uh, before the movie was finished, Lex had kind of gotten up from the couch and had gone up to her room. Which was a little odd, because when this TV is on, Lex is, like, transfixed. She doesn't get a lot of TV time, so she gives it her total attention. And so um, we're starting to, like, yeah, she's been up there for a while. I I mean, she was probably just playing with something, or she wanted to, you know, uh, read a book or something. I We don't know. And it, it's starting to get to time, it, it's starting to get time for her to get ready for bed. Lights out at 8 o'clock so that we can, like, sing bedtime songs and kind of snuggle for a little bit before she's really supposed to go off to sleep. And uh, right before we're about to go up there to tell her that it's time for bed, she calls Marie into her room. She says, Mommy, I need to talk to you. And I go, okay, this is now getting to be a little bit serious. And I didn't want to pressure, but I was in my office, which is next door to her room. And I'm just kind of like hearing parts of the exchange. And uh, through bouts of kind of breathlessness and that, you know, that sort of agonizing tone that a kid can get just when they're on the verge of just completely breaking down and sobbing, Lex is telling Marie that she was playing with Marie's aftershocks. And she was just fiddling around with them. And they're flexy and they're bendy. But she started bending the ear hooks. And she snapped the the ear hook that goes over the right ear. And that basically just makes these e-waste. Like, there's no way to fix that the way that the plastic is kind of molded around the cable that goes to this uh, to this driver. And she is despondent. She She is as close to inconsolable as I've ever seen an eight-year-old be. And she knows that these are mommy's headphones. And these are mommy's favorite headphones to go and take for a run. There aren't a lot of headphones that mommy can use. Like, we've talked to her about all of these things, and she kind of understands the sort of value, or at least the value that Marie has placed on these headphones. And we later, sort of a- a- talking to her, we also see, like, she's written an apology note. She's taken, like, 
a couple dollars from her allowance, what little allowance that we give her just to kind of help her save up and to buy toys and stuff. And she's put it in the apology note to help mommy buy new headphones. It's, it was really intense. So like the most immediate reaction is like, we can absolutely afford to get Marie a new pair of aftershocks, but that's not what we wanted to spend money on. That's, that's not the purchase we wanted to make right now. Marie just got a new phone. She's looking at fun cases and there are things that she wants to kind of buy. It's not just, you know, oh, well, we can, we can totally replace these. So our initial reaction was probably not great as grownups. Um, just, I, I bet Lex could have seen on our faces that we were disappointed. But seeing that she was miserable believe this is one of the first times as a parent. This is like one of the, 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 the most smack you in the face. You hear that phrase, like, I believe you have already punished yourself enough. <laughs> like, I need you to understand that we're upset. And mommy is really upset because these were her favorite workout headphones. She used these a lot. And they weren't ready to be retired, right? They still had a lot of life left in them. But also, put your money away. <laughs> You've been saving up to buy your doll clothes. This isn't you replacing the, the gadget. And also, I kind of feel like you've been up here by yourself in your room so miserable about what's happened. There isn't any punishment I could give you that would better impart a lesson. I feel you like you've already taught yourself the lesson. Um, there have been other times, you know, because she's a little kid and she's pretty clever, uh, where, you know, we say like, hey, we need to take this away from you because you're doing something dangerous. Well, okay, well, I was already done using it anyway. And you're like, well, now I need to punish you because the message apparently hasn't gotten through why this was bad. <laughs> it, it's the attitude and the response, right? Like, well, you can't even punish me because I was already done. It was not one of those situations. It was so much the opposite that it kind of punched me in the nose. Like, I was not ready for my daughter to internalize and to have such a, a detailed understanding of how bad this was. And to have the bravery to broach the conversation with my wife before Marie found the broken headphones, knowing that this was bad, that she still went to my wife and said, I need to tell you something. And that kind of broke my heart, but also I don't know that I could have been more proud of her in that moment. So what do you do? Because <laughs> it's like, I, I feel like that's one of the situations where you kind of let it go. If she had smashed a phone and then been like, well, I guess you just need to buy me a new phone. Well, there would have been hell to pay. Like I would have gone fire and brimstone over that kind of irresponsibility. Um, this one just hit on a whole other level because it was just a beautiful showcase of empathy. She knew how someone would feel about this one. So I, I, I mean, like, I don't want to take credit as a parent. Like, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm actually impressed. And I, I, I hope I contributed to some of that, but she's also just pretty cool kid. <laughs>
Uh, let, let me let me kind of catch through some of these comments here because I, I find stuff like this is it's really murky gray area stuff. What do we do with kids and technology and how do we introduce them to these concepts and how do we teach them good, responsible interactions? And for me, I'm a hardware guy, so I tend to approach those conversations first with like, take care of this gadget and it will take care of you. And then you kind of expand on that golden rule idea with other people. (laughs) Let me take a quick drink of coffee here and we can get into some of these comments. Hey, podcast listeners, I work really hard to find mutually beneficial ways to support production on my various distribution platforms. Instead of just running ads on this podcast and hoping they don't annoy you, I want to find products or services that you really will get something out of and that can help fund my production. While I do talk about some of those items in ads throughout this podcast, I've never created one easy-to-view master list of my current partnerships until now. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. If you'd like to help contribute, support production of this podcast and my various videos and reviews, head on over to somegadgetguy.com. At the top, there's going to be a link for support some gadget guy, and you can see what my current partnerships are. At the time this podcast was recorded, in addition to my Patreon, we can hook you up with a $10 voucher for shopping a new OnePlus, save 20% on some one more headphones, sign you up for Google Fi service, Amazon affiliate links, Audible, or you can grab a Mega Pickle coffee mug of your very own. Mmm, savory, delicious Mega Pickles. Head on over to somegadgetguy.com, support banner on the top right-hand side of my website, and hopefully you find something cool, something you like, while also kicking me a little extra scratch. All right, some folks talking about Mastodon. Uh, Oh, Jermaine jumped in the chat. So everyone was saying, hey to Jermaine. Oh, (laughs) Fat Produce. Lex is only allowed to use 80s wired Sony Walkman headphones from now on. Uh, I can't do that to my daughter. Uh, I love my daughter, and her ears are brand new, and I have taught her her entire life to protect her ears, and she's got incredible noise-canceling kids' headphones. So I'm not taking those away from her because I need that hearing health to, to remain. Um, Brian Glaze, my 8-year-old, has, has had a very similar reaction to different things. I feel like it's right in this time frame, right before you turn into a tweener and an absolute monster. Because I, I don't think anyone survives being a middle schooler. I think we all have miserable recollections of middle school. But it's like right now where she's still a sweet little kid, but her her grasp of what's going on around her is expanding. And her power, her ability to contribute to situations around her is expanding. And it's like just trying, just trying to guide. And, and not like you have to do this, but it's like the consequences of your actions now are starting to mean something. Um... Oh, Jermaine. Oh, that is sweet, though, from your kid. It kind of broke my heart. (laughs) Dave Burns wants just making us all cry right now. I'm not trying to do that. I'm really trying to just chat. (laughs) Podcast. Um, Yeah, Brian Glaze is a parent. It's tough finding that balance. Uh, From Muppinish, we didn't have this conversation when we were younger. We didn't really break anything, and if something broke, we fixed it. I remember my dad broke my DS. We fixed it, but it was now now in black and white. (laughs) 
I kept I kept drawing the parallel because Marie was like, I really didn't want to have to handle this right now. Marie is very change averse. She's not interested. I have a bucket. I have a literal bucket of like Bluetooth earbuds and headphones and stuff like that. And so Lex doesn't fully know, you know, how all of this plays out. And I don't want her to feel like just because I broke something techie, dad probably has a replacement. I don't want her feeling entitled to that because this is my job. But I did have an older pair of, excuse me, of Aftershocks. Actually, they're older now, but they're the slightly newer version of what Marie was using. So these are the Aftershocks Trex. Um, I have the Trex Air. So it minimizes the, the little headband. It's a little bit lighter. I really like using those just to kind of walk around the neighborhood. But Marie lives in bone conduction headphones to work out. And we really haven't found a better solution for her workouts. And that's, that's more important. So I gave her my Trex Air. I have plenty of other earbuds and headphones and neck bands and things that I can use if I just want to take a walk around the block. So we had a solution like that. But it was, it was really funny, um, again, as parents and trying to realize the sort of equity of a situation where, I don't know if you all remember, but it was a, man, it was almost two years ago, I, I want to say. We were letting Lex use an old Huawei tablet. And Marie had kept it just on her work desk and on top of a stack of papers and it slid and she smashed the screen. Screen was just destroyed. And we had to sit down and talk to Lex and say, this wasn't your fault. And I know you were playing games on it. And I'm, we're so sorry that this, there's nothing I can do to recover what was in here. And we see this little, at the time I want to say she was five, just about to turn six. And we see her little face kind of you know, tense up, screw up. And then like, we actually saw her like tamp down on the tantrum. And even though she was sad, she forgave my wife. So my wife is going into this one, like she was fiddling with it. And I know she didn't break it intentionally. It was just like a fidgety toy thing for her to bend around and play with. But also like I did smash her tablet. (laughs) (laughs) like what do you do as a parent like I can't come down on her because we need to illustrate the point that mistakes will happen and we just need to get ahead of the next mistake but also I'm real sad because I loved those headphones (laughs) Um, oh go Starscream I appreciate that the kid got good parents you won't see that with most kids nowadays I have been watching my daughter's interactions with her peers I really hope that this is something of a trend because I know all of these kids are going to become monsters in middle school and junior high. But right now, I'm seeing a trend in empathy that I would not have expected in a time of the most divisive social media and the scariest news and everything is a conflict and everything is a fight and a debate. And I'll watch them play and a kid will get knocked over and another kid will help them up. And the first kid will come back and apologize. And like this, these kids are really sweet. And I think they appreciate their time together as peers even more for the fact that they were just old enough to remember all that stuff being taken away from them a couple years ago. So I'm hoping Like, I watch those kinds of interactions, and it does. It gives me a little hope that this isn't unique, that this is something that is broader and that hopefully we can 
we can kind of foster some sense of it. It'll, it'll vanish when they turn 10. <laughs> but if there's some little planted seed of a memory that like, hey, you feel better when you're nicer to people. Maybe there's some hope for the future of our species. Just maybe. <laughs> Dave Burns. Uh, unfortunately, Lex will never have a career in finance or politics. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> if anything, if she does have a career in politics, it'll be because she works for like a nonprofit. <laughs> and she's like an advocate for like, you know, like improving the social safety net or something like that. Um, yeah, JGJ, I was so impressed that she got ahead of the problem, too. Um, she knows what she did was wrong and how important that gadget was to her mother. Got a good set of guts for someone so young. I, uh, I, yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. So, um, let me... Oh, this is the other one that I wanted to cover. Um... JGJ first, does your daughter understand what your job is? And does she understand that does not mean you are a tech magician? She has been asking more just to kind of get a peek behind the scenes. And Marie and I have been having a lot of, we come from Hollywood. So we come from like casting and directing and working with actors and talent. And we both still have some toehold in that industry um, but it's very concerning to us that we work in the industry that we do and that Lex has access to things that a lot of other kids probably wouldn't have had access to, not the least of which is just like, at a moment's notice, we can call up any voice actor who's ever voiced a famous cartoon character and, like, chat with them. A lot of them are still our friends. So uh, she's been starting to poke around a little bit more like, hey, Dad, why don't we take a selfie? And so I'm trying to teach her, like, photography. A selfie is a kind of portrait. And we want a portrait that helps us remember this moment here. And a selfie can be really important because then we can look back on that. And it's not just something that we upload for people to think we're cool. And so um, the day after, she wanted to see what was going on in my office. And we spent an hour talking about tripods. And so now she's walking around the house saying things like, so if you wanted to get this shot, would you throw down sticks? <laughs> and you're like, yes, I would, kiddo. This is the difference between a ball head tripod and a fluid head. These, this is carbon fiber and this is aluminum. <laughs> See how this one's heavier? Um, so we've been trying to at least showcase, like what daddy does for a living looks really cool. Daddy works all the time. He doesn't have a set work week. And there are going to be times where I can't hang out and play on a Sunday because there's something that I really need to get done. So we're hoping that she appreciates that this whole idea of I will be an influencer when I grow up is, is fine if that's what she wants to do, but you have to know what that job really looks like. So I'm hoping the message gets through because I'd much rather her just be an engineer. She is so good at sort of digging into what the core problem of a situation might be. Just the natural kid curiosity. And if you can kind of foster that, she'd be tactically good at like figuring out what the problem is to then solve the problem. I, I, I would much rather her do that. <laughs> and then from uh, Brian Glaze, teaching consequences is difficult because you have to find the appropriate response so that they learn the lesson without going overboard. Appropriateness matters. 
I know Marie was upset. I know she was really sad about this one. But Hassel, I think she likes the upgrade. Because she did get new headphones out of it. Oh, cake batter. Wow, that's tough. My youngest threw a doll at our TV and broke the screen. My wife and I waited three months before replacing the TV. My kids are hyper-protective of the TV now. That's a tough one. We wall-mount our TV, but every now and then, Lex is playing or throwing things around the living room, and I'm pretty confident at some point that TV is going to take a hit. Three months. That's a, that's a long one, because also for us, like... Marie and I use that TV too. <laughs> Copa Cash, there's still hope for this generation. I really think there's more hope for this generation. I remember thinking back to when I was a kid kind of in grade school and going through some of these issues too. Like I don't remember ever having these conversations about feelings and empathy and 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 like yeah, there were always these programs like Character Counts, and this month we're going to talk about gratitude. And then you're like, yeah, whatever, and you just kind of get on with it. I'm seeing kids today actually employ that when they're interacting with each other. But Fat Produce is completely correct. Middle school is essentially the Hunger Games. No one gets out alive. <laughs> I know, <laughs> Brian Glaze throwing down sticks is hilarious. She's, but she's got it. Like she's sort of, she's got the terminology and she thinks it sounds hip and cool. So I still have a little sway as a, as a, as a parent. <laughs> like again, when she turns 10, she's going to think I'm the biggest moron on the planet. Um, but when I point things out like, oh, and here's the technical thing and we can get into this and let's talk about lenses and why, why does this look funky? And look, if we use a wide angle lens, it changes the shape of your face. So she's she's at least curious enough in the science of it that she'll still kind of listen to me as we go through. <laughs> oh, go Starscream. This is absolutely a major problem. And a lot of schools are starting to address this now, too. Um, go Starscream says, it might just be where I live, but I still see kids just old enough to not be a toddler anymore using a phone to watch videos and play games. Where did we go? Okay, we, uh, it, it wasn't recently. It was before, it was before Thanksgiving. Um, I might have mentioned this on the podcast. I apologize if, I, if I'm repeating myself. But we went to this really fancy Italian restaurant. It, this is sort of one of our treats. Uh, we, we try to eat out very minimally. Um, you know, like if it's once a week, we go and grab a Costco hot dog. And then maybe once a month, we try to go somewhere nice. And there's this really lovely little Italian restaurant by our place. We go there, and we're sitting, and we're sitting next... Because we have a daughter, they kind of sit families in the back in the not-as-nice part of the restaurant. Like, you walk through, and you see this beautiful, like, Italian deli and all these hanging meats, and then you get into this candle-lit area. It's all hardwood and rustic, um, wrought iron and stuff. And then you go to the back room, and it's families. I get it. It's fine. Food's really good. Um, But we're sitting next to this other table, and it's a family of five. And none of them look up from their screens. I think the youngest was probably five-ish. And the oldest looked to be about 10 or 11. But all of them. They didn't talk the entire time we were sitting next to them. 
They were all looking at phones and tablets. They get their meals served. Like they, and you, you see that thing where it's like they move just enough to acknowledge that a plate is kind of being put in front of them. And then they just sort of put their one hand above the plate. The, the littlest had the tablet and she kind of props it up on a little tablet stand. And the entire time, like Lex and I are singing songs or telling riddles or, or, or we're just talking. You know, Lex likes to rewrite movies. You know, she's already kind of caught it in her head. Whenever she sees a movie, she'll spend the next hour saying, telling you what she thinks the sequel should have in it. You know, she'll, she'll just kind of make up an entire movie on the spot. I love it. I, I, I will sit there and listen to her because it's hilarious. And her grasp on plot is very rudimentary, but still like, and then this will happen. And then her sister will show up and like, her sister, where did she come from? I don't know. <laughs> Like, it's amazing. I love it. I love it so much as I am a storytelling nerd. So, um, as we kind of progress with these trends, you know, just sort of, Hey, the kid shuts up when we play bluey on a tablet, let's just get a couple moments of peace. Marie and I have done that from time to time. There are just times like I need some chill and I know that this will pacify them for a short period of time. And then we have to kind of break out of using that as just the only crutch that we have at our disposal. It takes an effort. You've got to overcome the momentum of the easy route. You, you have to like, you know, an object not acted upon by a force. You have to act upon that object with force and break out of that crutch of using only that crutch. But it, we're already having those conversations. We live in an affluent enough neighborhood and we go to a really geeky school. It's a steam focused school for Lex. And I'm grateful that a lot of the parents that are already thinking about this stuff are really conservative about tech adoption. I think it's next year that my daughter will get a crummy little Chromebook as the school laptop for her to accomplish some of her assignments and do some of her homework. I've seen these things. They are like the lowest of low end arm chip, basic web browsing machines, just to start introducing the concepts of how you do homework from a little computing device. Not exciting. Lex already has a better tablet (laughs) than what she will be issued in a Chromebook um, to use next year. I believe as I get older, we're going to need to start having those parent conversations. I'm going to be the Marge Simpson of tech in these kinds of conversations. If it turns out that like she gets to junior high and there's a rampant bullying based on what phones people are using, we need to go to school officials and say, if kids can't handle the responsibilities of using tech and social media with their peer groups, then we need to make a concerted effort to say, no more tech or social media in this sort of like school context. Plenty of opportunities to send kids to school with flip phones. I will help parents find alternatives, but if they're bullying each other over the color of their text messages, then they're showing us that they're not yet ready to have the responsibility of owning this kind of technology. Right now, that's going to be an uphill battle because of what you're talking about and stuff like this, go Starscream. I feel we just sort of serve the tech to a kid We're not introducing the concepts very well. We're not building them up. There are very few things that I will just take credit for, you know, being a good parent. 
my daughter consistently surprises me and delights me. And I'm so proud of so, so many of the things that she's just naturally come to on her own, the nature versus nurture of all this. But the one thing that I will kind of pat myself on the back about is we started slow. My daughter loves music. She loves music. She's put together her own girl power, female singer playlist. She dances and sings and, you know, you can see that spark. You know, she hears a new song and she really digs it. We started her off with an MP3 player. No web. No, the, the, the fanciest bit of the technology for the MP3 player was if you plug in cabled headphones, it can also act as an FM radio. <laughs> that was her wireless connectivity. That was her ability to reach out and get information. It, nothing internet related. That, that's when I will say, like, we started her off with something super basic, and she showed us that she could take care of it. She could charge it all by herself. We plugged a charger in her room, and it used the same micro USB cable as her old, uh, but her nice Bluetooth headphones did. And she knew how to plug it in, and, you know, okay, I can see the battery is topping off. Like, she showed us that she could do it. And she was doing that at, like, I think... We got it when we moved in here. So yeah, it must have been just when she was about turning six. I think that's a pretty big deal for a six-year-old. doesn't mean that she's ready to just handle mommy's phone without parental supervision. <laughs> when the second she's picking up a phone or a tablet, I'm very curious what she's doing. <laughs> I become very invested in what's on that screen that she's using. <laughs> Oh, JGJ, we haven't done that one yet. Did you have to deny a career day appearance or is that something that didn't happen? Um, they, they don't do that at the school, um, but I am talking, so she has like her normal teachers, but then there's also a teacher that's just dedicated to these like STEAM tech and art projects. And so we're talking now um, about taking uh, some of my, I've got two really old PCs, a mini PC and then like an old desktop. And uh, I want to, show the older kids, like the fifth graders, what each of these pieces are, like, let them take it apart, you know, very carefully, we're going to like, okay, I want you to unscrew this. And over here, you can take this out and pull out the RAM, pull out the hard drive, do do all those things. And then I want to let the little kids just destroy the stuff. These are like machines so far past their prime, and it would cost so much more to get them into good working shape again, that it's really not worth it. But I think it would be a really fun educational opportunity to say, all computers kind of work like this. Now, if you notice, we've got a really big computer here. That's pretty easy to take apart. And we've got a little computer over here. That's much more difficult to take apart. And then you look at a tablet. Tablet is a computer. And it's basically glued shut. So I, I want to just kind of plant that seed, see where it goes. And hopefully that's something that we can do with the Steam class. But if it comes up, I'll be like, oh, you know, I, I talk about tech on the internet. <laughs> I'm going to try and keep it really simple. Um, oh, Nick, I, I can't even claim to being a good parent. I, if anything, it was just because I feel like I'm doing sort of what my parents did. Uh, Nick says, how did you become such a good teacher and parent? Did you use books? Um, I come from a family of engineers, and I'm kind of trying to teach my daughter stuff the same way that my computer scientist mom and physicist dad did. And I get so much wrong. <laughs> oh 
man, you guys, like with your busted TVs, Brian Glay said, good comment from Cake Batter. My three-year-old broke our TV in early 2023, and we didn't get a new one until earlier this month. So I don't know that Marie and I could go that long. I feel like we could probably stick it out for a month if I also got real creative with like using a portable display and then hooking that up just after Lex goes to bed so that we could do some stuff. Um, it's just funny because like so many things, my, my wife is really not a gamer, but she's started to play more racing, uh, kart racers and arcade racers with Lex and I, and we still fire up like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. It's just so easy to just jump into three players, beat up some ninja, and then like have a good time just laughing at who didn't get the pizza when they were supposed to. I, you, you folks are blowing me away. Like you could go like six months without a TV I know I'm proper addicted. <laughs> like the idea of that is like, oh, wow, that sounds like it would be really hard. Yeesh, <laughs> uh, my cousin's kid a while ago ended coloring on their living room TV screen and I think accidentally broke it as well. Because that's another thing too is... I want to be, I, I want to be careful with discipline, but I want kids to understand the impact they have. And that's also an important part of the conversation where it's to describe like, hey, you have a lot of power in these situations. My daughter is a strong kid. She is a clever kid. Um, you know, she, I, I, it's that joke that I made, you know, how I used to wrap the podcast a long time ago. I would say things like you have a superpower. You can make someone feel amazing about their phone, or you can make someone feel crummy about their phone. You know, everyone in this chat knows enough about technology that they could go to anyone, walk up to someone at a Starbucks, look at what, what tech they're using and say, Hey, you know, those headphones, I heard really good things about that. And you could totally make someone's day, Right. I'm standing in line next to someone at a um, Jersey Mike's. And he was like, yo, man, I like that hat. And I was wearing one of my Kangol flat caps. And I'm like, hey, thanks. That's cool. Oh, and dude, I love what, you know, the, the case you have on your iPhone. It's like, hey, thanks, man. And we just had like a bro moment. And then I ordered my turkey sub and that was it. Single serving friendship, right? We were done. But like made my day, made his day totally awesome, right? Love stuff like that. Um... I want to be, I, I want to be a good resource though. Like kid colors on a TV and then breaks the TV. Yeah. The kid needs to learn that their actions have consequences, but also how crappy is it that our TVs are that fragile? When I was a little kid and my brother colored on the TV, it was a Sony Trinitron. I mean, there was no little kid action that was going to mess up that TV. I think my parents' reaction to my brother coloring on the TV was more the fear of if my brother is coloring on the TV and somehow pulls the table, then a monster Sony Trinitron is going to land on him and crush him. <laughs> and the TV would probably still have been fine. <laughs> But our child would have perished because of the Sony Trinitron. <laughs> so 
like, I want her to know that her actions have consequences, but I also kind of want her to be a little on edge about how much money we put towards these things, how fragile they are, and why it probably doesn't need to be that way. A cheap MP3 player, I think we spent 25 bucks on, on, on Lex's MP3 player, has absolutely held up to over two years of little kid abuse. She, she charges it and she takes care of it and she puts it in a case, but like she's running around with this little plasticky MP3 player. It's a simpler gadget and it seems to survive better. And I want her to also kind of have an understanding of that too. I never want to dismiss like, you broke our TV, that was bad. But also I kind of want her to know like, if a stuffed animal touches the TV because you're playing like jumping jacks with your stuffies, the TV should, should be able to survive that. <laughs> Oh, Simon says, Hypno, the cathode ray tube babysitter is truly mobile now. Uh, yeah. I do, I, I do feel for some families because I know this stuff is really hard and we're all going through some challenges, but I also feel sad because you miss out on so much. There are only a, a handful of years that my daughter is going to like me. And then she's going to go through her phase of independence and growing up. And I hope that we keep a solid and a good relationship through those years. It's always going to be tough. But, like, you just look at a little kid and you're like, I only get a window with you. And eventually, even when you're a little kid and you still think I'm pretty neat, you're going to have so many more influences from teachers and TV and friends. And, like, I only get a little bit of your time you spend so much time with everybody else. Like I kind of get resentful of things that take me away from my daughter these days. Cause like I only have a little bit of time left with her doing this kind of stuff. So yeah, it's pretty tough. I am way behind on this chat and TK Bay coming in some Marge Simpson guy. I just think they're neat. Muppinish. Juan, give her a Linux laptop. So here's what I'm going to do. She's going to get that Chromebook. I'm going to show her that it can run Ubuntu. <laughs> I'm going to be that parent who's like, yeah, they locked down all the Chrome OS stuff, but if you want to use GIMP. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, this is, there really is lovely conversation happening in here. And I spent a lot of time on this, um, uh, kind of uh, a lot longer on this than I kind of feel like uh, I, I should have. I do want to get to this one, Muppinish. I had that kind of a bro moment on the flight home from north part of Sweden. An older dude was sitting next to me. We discussed all kinds of tech. He was using an iPhone, and we talked about my Sony and Sony Ericsson's as well. And again, that is the superpower we have. I, I, I I'm not... I'm not exaggerating. It means so much to someone when you kind of just point something out. You're like, hey, that's pretty cool. We we are so starved for those interactions these days. We have so little meeting place or opportunity that that little gem, you totally made that person's week. I mean, that's literally what we can spread. And it's why I get so sad that like I am only rewarded for my participation on threads when I ruin someone's day. And I'm a snarky arse. 
I, I know that about me. I enjoy a little of the gamesmanship and the snark and, and kind of picking at what I know is probably a sensitive bit of someone's tech fandom. But as I get older, I really don't want to live there. <laughs> I just want to visit there. Threads, to be successful on Threads, it seems like you kind of need to live there. So I, 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 um, I, I kind of took over... Oh, Dave, that was the right comment just to keep me on this. One, how can you monetize the time you spend with your daughter? You can't forget to be productive with that time. Sigma male grind set, brah. <laughs> and again, like, I've been sharing a few more photos of Lex, but like, I'm purposely trying to use test shots. Like, hey, if this is a camera and you've got a kid, they're running around. This is a good camera to take photos of kids in action. And I'm purposely trying to frame where her face is invisible. I still believe... She needs to be the ultimate authority on how her likeness is used, and she is not old enough to contribute to that conversation yet. Um, she's getting there. She's getting closer. But she's eight, and I still want to protect her from just how gross social media can be. But you'll see a few more photos of her like running, and it's kind of like a framed shot where she's running away from the camera. Stuff like that. But like having a harder and harder time when I still encounter... Because we have a few friends that really do the every photo is like the precious memory full family photo and it's for the likes and it's for the gram and I don't know I just can't so um switching gears a little bit here uh JGJ was wanting to talk about something JGJ posted something I can't remember what you posted and why don't we switch gears and fire up just a little bit of Pixel 9 chat. Uh, go Starscream. Thank you. Reminding me we, we were mentioning uh, Pixel 9. And you know, with the Pixel 9, let me, uh, let me pull up uh, Pixel 9 render. We can do a little screen share and talk about this one here too. Because I don't know, y'all, aren't you so tired of how everything is copying the iPhone now? Any phone with flat sides is a iPhone, obviously, because only a iPhone can have flat sides. So this is uh, from Ron Amadeo, who, I don't know, typically doesn't like Android stuff, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, that was really snarky. See, there I go. Just trying to be, uh, trying to be a punk. Oh, JGJ wanted to t talk about tech layoffs. We will absolutely follow up on that. Thank you, JGJ. Um, just for some Pixel 9 action here. Uh, Google's Pixel 9 gets its first render. Looks a lot like an iPhone. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't think this looks much like an iPhone. So the, the, the biggest thing that people are going to harp on is that it has flat sides. And okay, I guess, but I, I guess flat sides in like rounded corners into the screen, right? So it's a, it's a very ovally kind of rectangle. But... You hold this phone up in public, and immediately you're going to see that camera visor, the, the bender. You know, uh, uh, I am bender, please insert girder. Um, and that looks nothing like an iPhone. And it's those little details that I feel average consumers, like the general public out there, they actually do pay attention to that, right? They know if you have two lenses on the back of your iPhone that you're cheaper than someone who has three lenses on the back of an iPhone. 
So if they're paying attention to a square and the number of circles in that square, they will be discerning enough to see that this doesn't have a square, that it has an oval. And so likewise, you know, we can pick up something like, uh, I need to send this back. Hey, TK, if you're still in the chat, I'm wiping it out today and I will return your Aiku. Um, but this Aiku, that has flat sides, so I guess this must be an iPhone. But if you turn that around and you see this, you know that's not an iPhone. And I feel like tech journalists should be discerning enough in consumer behavior and understanding how people approach the psychology of owning these products that they would know, I ain't an iPhone, right? This, this whole thing about having flat sides, I guess, but we've had flat sides on phones before and trends just change over time. iPhones had flat sides, then they started copying Android phones and had curved sides, and now they have flat sides again. Over on my shelf, I have an iPhone SE. Let me go get my iPhone SE. Let's, let's talk about flat sides. So this is still um, my all-time favorite iPhone design. Uh, the iPhone 5, but for me, I think it kind of peaked with iPhone SE. So iPhone SE is a curved rectangle with really flat sides on it. And then Apple walked away from this. And then Apple went back to it. But in between Apple walking away from this and Apple going back to it, we also had phones like the Sony Xperia. <laughs> so this is the Xperia 1 Mark II. And oh no, it's got really flat sides on a curved rectangle. This is, this is copying the iPhone before the iPhone even did it. What? Why did Sony future copy the iPhone? <laughs> what a ripoff, am I right? <laughs> so this whole notion of one simple design aesthetic or one simple design accent means only that company can engage in that style of design is sort of the laziest tech commentary to, to kind of establish. I'm not impressed. Because also it's just like, Phones are so much more interesting than just whether or not they've got flat sides. And there are practical reasons why you would want to adopt this, this uh, structure. I love phones like my Xiaomi Ultras and my Vivo X100. I wish the Vivo X100 Pro had flat sides. When you're really getting into photography use, it's reassuring that you can hold onto the phone <laughs> with a better grip. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's funny stuff. All right. Uh, let me, let me get into these comments here. Oh, I have a quick pause. Uh, Gabaletta subscribed with prime subscribed for 25 months. We, we went over a two year anniversary. Thank you so much for supporting uh, production on this channel. You get a fanfare of glory courtesy of one, Mr. Barry Johnson, who hooked me up with a stream deck. I really hope that didn't blow out any headphone users' ears in there. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. <laughs> DTNL. Pixel 9 and the not worth itness of a non Sam Apple. <laughs> um, we got some skulls coming in from Barry Johnson. From Nation. All in caps. I blame Carl Pay and nothing for starting the iPhoneification trend. 
I mean, that's been going on since before. I, you know, if we're going to say like, oh, this company is copying another company, I feel you can take it all the way back to HTC. HTC started us off with like aluminum unibodies, right? So since then, the unibody phase of phone design started at HTC. So anyone who came after HTC has basically just been copying HTC. And, and I mean, come on, look at the original iPhone, that big old ugly plastic lump on the back of the phone. And HTC was like, nah, no, nah, we're not going to play that. Our phone is beautiful. So uh, really, I think that's where we need to, this, this article, like, oh, geez, the Pixel's copying. Well, the Pixel's copying a copy of a copy of a copy of an HTC. So everyone has basically just been copying HTC all this time. <laughs> A DTNL saying, yo, that camera lens is big. Are we getting a bigger sensor? I don't know what to expect. I would not be surprised if this is the last year. If Pixel 9 is the last year where we still hang with the uh, GN1 or the variants of the GN1, a 1 over 1.3 inch type sensor. And maybe instead of Pixel 9 Pro getting really exciting upgrades, if Pixel 9 Pro kind of stays in place, but Pixel 9 goes to a triple lens, that's you know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna put that out there as my wacky prediction for Pixel 9. So we get a third lens on the Pixel 9. The 9 Pro is still the nicer overall phone, and then next year for Pixel 10, we should be getting the TSMC. Here's what I really want the TSMC variant of a Tensor chip. So we get, even if we can really, really push aggressive, we can get three nanometer Tensor design, Google chip, TSMC, not Samsung. And because they're not using Samsung for the chip, we can also start playing with some of these alternative sensors from Sony. So we're not using the Samsung, the ISO cell sensors, we're using the sort of slightly more bleeding edge Sony sensors. That, to me, would be kind of an exciting Pixel 10 conversation. It is ridiculous to me that I'm still in the middle of using and talking about the Pixel 8 Pro, and we're on to Pixel 9, and I already have prognostications about what Pixel 10 is going to be. <laughs> Dave Burns, Juan, they got to get that iPhone in the title for the SEO and the rage clicks. Yeah, you're right. If you don't put iPhone and Samsung in every article's title, then you just don't, you don't know how to SEO, bro. So Ghost Starscream, it looks like an iPhone mainly because of the frame design, the flat frame and the exact frame curvature on the edge is very iPhone 15-esque. It is. And the iPhone uh, sort of frame design kind of recalls other devices that have had curved rectangular shapes in the past. And we've had other examples of devices, and we have examples of Apple embracing that design philosophy and walking away from that design philosophy. I just showed the iPhone SE original, but I also have the iPhone SE follow-up. And let's see, let's see how consistent Apple's uh, design philosophy has been. Oh, this case is really difficult to get off. I'm always worried that I'm actually going to damage and bend my newer iPhone SE. So let's see, we've got the original iPhone SE based on the iPhone 5, and it's flat sides with curved corners to the rectangles, metal and glass sandwich, very HTC-looking kind of phone. 
So that's, that's the iPhone SE. And now we have the newer iPhone SE and it's totally curved, curved sides. The corners are curved at slightly different angles because of the sort of rounded edges. It's not flat and grippable like the iPhone 5 was. These don't look like devices from the same company. If we're really nitpicking smartphone design, Apple left this, and if Apple leaves it, other companies can use it. <laughs> Apple did this, and did this through what, the iPhone 11 Pro? The iPhone 12 that we went back to flat sides? I can't remember. So, um, no, I'm not particularly impressed with the argument being Apple gets to own flat sides forever because they move into and out of different design trends. Every company does. So, um, I, I get it because I'm very anxious about things like iPhone does titanium. So Samsung makes a big deal about titanium. That to me is kind of a copycat tactic, but just putting flat sides on a phone doesn't, we would never confuse a Sony with an iPhone. We would never confuse an iQoo with an iPhone. We, we know that these are different and one of the major structural and architectural differences in what uh, what people will look for in a phone, when you look at that Pixel 9 render, if they really do that hard, elevated camera visor on the back of this phone, no one's going to say, oh, that's totally an iPhone. <laughs> if you look at the Xiaomi's, you might have a... I don't know if I can find my Xiaomi 14 quickly enough to do this. Yeah, I don't... I can't see it. I have too many phones. Too many phones. Is this it? So like the Xiaomi 14, you could maybe make a play that this is going to be a little bit more iPhone. Xiaomi 13, not Xiaomi 14. This is the Xiaomi 13. And it's got the flat sides and the kind of curved angles. But the camera module is a smaller square that sits where the uh, the iPhone camera sensors kind of sit. On a glance, someone could look at this and say, oh, they've got kind of a weird case on their iPhone. That, I would say, is slightly more indicative of iPhone-styled design. What Google's doing, no one's going to confuse that for an iPhone. What Vivo is doing, no one's going to confuse this for this, and no one's going to confuse this for an iPhone. So when we really talk about like copycat design, you have to go into sort of a more granular look at like what the whole device is going to look like and fit together and resemble. And I don't think that's the Pixel. I think the Pixel is actually looking like a pretty unique phone given that the trend for design is flat sides again. <clears throat> Let me take a drink of water here. Give me a, give me just a second here. Oh, and while I do this, Gary the Fireman has gifted a tier one sub to Aditya Anil. Gary's given 262 gift subs. Thank you so much for supporting production, for supporting the stream and the channel. It really does mean a lot to me that you folks enjoy kind of hanging out for these inane rambling sessions. I'm gonna slurp water while we let the fanfare go. Just a quick interjection here, folks. I love highlighting good work and talented people, producers and writers who deserve more attention. So here's a quick word from someone making cool stuff on the internet. 
and I hope you check out what they have to offer. Hello, my name is Martin and I run the Tech Altar YouTube channel. I talk about tech, obviously, but instead of focusing purely on the devices themselves, I mostly analyze the companies, their business and marketing strategies, as well as the industry trends that shape the gadgets we all love. I studied business, I worked for a couple of tech companies like Oppo in China, for example, and I'm building my own tech startup on the side right now, so I really like talking about these topics. And if you enjoy zooming out and trying to see the bigger picture as well, you can find me by searching for Tech Altar, that's A-L-T-A-R, on YouTube, and you can also come say hi to me on Twitter as well. Thanks, Juan. That didn't work at all, while the fanfare goes. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry. Uh, again, I'm still figuring out this audio chain. Apparently, I have routed this in a way where if I mute my mic, it also disables the fanfare. I didn't think that that's how that would work. <laughs> Simon says, Hypno, Sony was pre-copying. See? I, is the only thing I can come up with because only iPhones exist. So if another company makes a device and they have a design trend that comes out before the iPhone, obviously they were still copying the iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> JFR, I still have the iPhone SE Gen 1. HTC One M7 had flat sides. That's that's just a fact. No cap. <laughs> Barry Johnson, Sony did copy. They used the precogs. I have not watched that movie in so long. I bet you all of the futuristic tech futuristic technology in Minority Report is gonna look so quaint by today's standards. Like it's like in Back to the Future too. Oh, it's a baby's game. You have to use your hands. <laughs> From John Gao, as an Xperia user, I'm a big fan of flat sides, but the super rounded screen corners don't look very good to me. And again, it's kind of interesting, like how we're trying to do things, you know, like how we round the corners on a display, and we want the screen to kind of go to the edges of the frame. But then also our software is kind of built around rectangles. And when you round out those corners, you have to build in additional dead space for things like UI elements to not get cut off. And I still feel like Sony's solution is the best. It's just a hard rectangle in that frame and there's a, a forehead and chin bezel. Because forehead and chin bezels are practical. <laughs> you can do things with them. Um, Kappa Cash, I prefer the one doesn't have a soundboard effect. <laughs> um, Brian Glaze, conclusion by HTC. I love it. Um, from Haas Sam, I was surprised by Samsung S24 pre-orders record. Um, I'm not terribly surprised, but, and I, I, like, I'm not trying to rain on anyone's parade here, Every year since the S10, we've heard of some metric. Some metric. Samsung has beaten expectations in this area. Samsung has set a new record for pre-orders in this window. And then we get to the end of the year, and Samsung doesn't meet their expectations. Last year was brutally bad, and the year before that wasn't great. Uh, we expect we're going to sell 300 million phones midway through the year. We're, we're revising our estimate. We're going to sell 270 million phones, 10%. We're cutting 10%. Okay. That's still a, a ton of phones. 
oh, we actually sold about 260 million phones. So we didn't even meet our revised estimate of how many phones we sold. And now Apple has beaten us in selling the most phones from a single manufacturer. I feel we always play this game of trying to pat Samsung on the back for limping into a market. The S24 is a very iterative line of phones. And I still haven't seen commentary from people who are in different markets who might be getting Exynos devices. I was in another tech thread on threads, and and a woman was saying, like, hey, I really wanted an S24, not an Ultra, and this screen tech is really washed out. Come to find, one of the other major differences between the S24 and the S24 Ultra is the S24 is using Gorilla Glass Victus, and the S24 Ultra is using the new Gorilla Glass Armor, like the less reflective, better light transmissive, that's not really a word, um, display. So we keep seeing this ratchet. We know Samsung is going to offer the absolute best sales, deals, and trade-ins right in that pre-order window. And so, yeah, it makes sense that year over year over year, if you're kind of invested in the Samsung ecosystem, more and more of those Samsung customers are going are gonna to leap right at the beginning. But now I'm a little anxious. Are we going to see any kind of sales momentum play out over the whole rest of this year? The S24 is the weakest it's ever been. The S24 Plus got a few nice little updates and improvements. It makes it a little bit more competitive, but the OnePlus 12 destroys the S24 Plus in every area except DeX. Other than that, it is solid wins across the board for OnePlus at $200 less. (laughs) It's not, oh, you know, if you compromise a whole bunch of things, you'll like that the OnePlus is cheaper. No, 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 no. It is better in almost every single category, and it's $200 cheaper. So I don't think that momentum is really going to carry us through. Samsung is seeing some success with the Apple strategy, that if you make your premium phones pain points, more people will start finding the budget to step up to the Ultra. But I think that this is a mistake in the long term, because there are a lot of people out there who just want a really nice phone with a big screen, and that's why they used to buy the Note, when there was a dedicated S24 Ultra that didn't have an S Pen, we saw that there were a lot of sales on that device. I want to say it was with the S22 Ultra that we did see that, that sort of replacement cycle, but the S Ultra used to outsell the Note. It used to have two categories of phone, and Samsung used to make more sales with both of those until the Note 20. Note 20 is where Note fell off, fell off a cliff. And I'm not surprised because it's also the note that it lost the most amount of stuff. <laughs> and it was that there was the Note 20 and then the Note 20 Ultra. Was it, was it called an Ultra? I, I, I want to say it was. That year, Note didn't do well, so Samsung killed the Note. Very short-sighted. <laughs> you used to have two different categories of ultra-tier device that consumers could choose between, and you ended up with more sales of those two devices combined than with just calling it an ultra, but it's really a note. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad so- Samsung broke some sales, some pre-order sales records, but I'm not confident that this is going to be 
um, a good year for Samsung. I really think Samsung's in trouble. And I think international competition is going to wallop Samsung. Here in the United States, unfortunately, I think more people are going to leave Android because of how underwhelming the Galaxy S series is. I don't think they're going to play around and like, well, maybe I'll take a Pixel for a test. Well, some people will. But I think overwhelmingly the trend will be, I keep hearing that Samsungs are the bestest and I've already tried the bestest, so I guess it's time for me to try an iPhone. And then we'll never get those consumers back here in North America. It's a one-way trip. Until we see some kind of market pressure on Apple to kind of change up their business strategy. So it's it's pretty tough. Um, Let me take another drink of water here because I'm starting to get kind of gross. So uh, yeah, I, I, I I'm I'm kind of with you, Ha Sam. It's an interesting bit of news, but I don't think it means what techies are trying to say it means, because I don't think the pre-orders on the S twenty four are going to sustain into the actual sales of the phone. Um, we've got a lot more commentary here, just people talking about design changes and whether or not Apple Apple sets the design uh, conversation. And to a point, yeah, that's that's true. Um, but we, we seem to forget that other companies have stuck it out and been in that space when Apple revisits a design element. It doesn't, it's not as simple as Apple did this. Now everyone did when you can point to a Sony and say, no, Sony was already kind of doing this. (laughs) Like how many times I've been pointing out, I like a phone despite the fact that it has a curved screen and I prefer flat screens, you know, stuff like that. that stuck around. (laughs) Dave Burns. Oh, stop it, Dave. I I didn't know that the S24 had launched. (laughs) Uh, Barry Johnson is saying, I believe it was a pre-sales record in South Korea. I think they said it was 1.2 million pre-orders. I haven't looked it up. I feel like I just keep getting burned on Samsung expectations because we never come back at the end of the year and say, hey, Samsung made a lot of noise and then they didn't live up to their expectations. Why are we still continuing to act like everything they do is the most impressive and exciting thing that they've ever done when they keep failing to meet their own metrics and standards? And... That's not what a tech conversation should be. That's what a Samsung fan conversation is. And having been a Samsung knight in a previous life, I get that. It's nice when someone says something neat about your favorite company. But that's not news. <laughs> that's bias confirmation. Um, let's see... Let's get this down. Let me uh, let me catch back up because I did want to cover. Uh, let me see if I can find the the news article that I'd found. And if someone has one, please uh, recommend. But uh, JGJ was talking about the tech layoffs. Ooh, whoops! It would help if I was typing in the right field. And go to news. Man, my computer's running real slow right now. Uh, let me just pull, this is the first one up, um, from CNBC. This isn't what I was reading this morning. Um, I, I bet you what I was reading this morning probably had a better breakdown on, uh, what's going on here. Uh, from Ashley Caput, 
at CNBC tech layoffs balloon in January as Wall Street rally lifts Alphabet, Meta, Microsoft to records. So the key points, so far in January, some 23,670 workers have been laid off, the most in any month since March, according to the website layoffs.fyi. The downsizing comes at the same time as investors are becoming more bullish on tech. The NASDAQ is at its highest since early 2022, and Alphabet, Meta, and Microsoft have all reached fresh all-time highs, especially Microsoft, as Microsoft is now... Did, did Apple rebound, or is Microsoft still the most profitable tech company, or not profitable, but highest market-capped tech company? Let me see. Micros stock price. I think we can just look this up now. Um, four, seven, let me just do Microsoft market cap. Let's do that instead. Uh, oops. You got to all hear that I don't type very quickly. Market value. 3.03 trillion. $3 trillion brand at Microsoft uh, versus Apple. 2.46. Okay, that's actually a lot more sizable than I thought it was. I thought it was like a, a hundredth of a decimal, but it's like it's like half a trillion dollars. <laughs> the $500 billion market difference between Apple and Microsoft. I am no fan of Apple, but in how silly all of these imaginary numbers are, because this is fake. This is completely fake. It has nothing to do with the actual... Uh, profitability and operations of a company. It's based entirely on the perception of the company and how shareholders fall for fads like crypto and now AI. Who really feels that Microsoft is doing half a trillion dollars better business than Apple? I prefer Microsoft and I use Microsoft services and I've got a Windows on ARM tablet. I'm so into Microsoft. I like Windows on ARM, and I think you're silly if you're still fighting Windows on ARM. Windows on ARM is really good. I like Microsoft. I have Microsoft Office. I pay for a family subscription. I use OneDrive instead of any other cloud storage provider. Who here thinks Microsoft is doing half a trillion dollars better business than Apple is doing right now i, I want to see it Let, let's see in the chat who's 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 doing it who, who thinks that in in what these companies impacts are on consumer consumers lives that microsoft is actually doing half a trillion more <laughs> yeah john gow it's microsoft 3.03 trillion versus uh, apple 2.96 Oh no, am I, am I looking at this wrong? Microsoft's hits three. Did I just get burned by, by AI? I think I just got burned by AI. Oh wow, this is great. So like, I just pulled this up on Bing and Bing AI chat is like, oh, well, uh, Apple is at 2.46, but that's not from this article. Now that I've looked at this article, Microsoft now sits at a market value of 2.46 trillion. And that was from 2021. I just got slapped by AI. Again, this whole Bing AI thing is pulling up numbers from two years ago. 
So how is that relevant, relevant information for what I'm searching for? That's hilarious. I just got scrubbed. Thanks, AI. <laughs> so now I'm even less confident on the future of Microsoft's AI strategy. Because I'm literally using Bing chat to say, compare Microsoft's market value versus Apple. And the reply I got gave me two-year-old information. Wow. I suck. (laughs) (laughs) So hold on. Let me actually look at Apple's market value. Because I think think John is probably right. I think it's more like 2.9. But that would still be... Again, a hundred million dollars is now such silly rounding decimal points of a hundred billion dollars. Um, Apple mark. Uh, oh, oh, help if I could spell market value. Two point nine six. Okay, so it's three hundred three to two point nine six. So it's not even a full hundred billion dollar difference in that stock evaluation. That seems more credible, especially in light of Activision announcing a whole series of layoffs. Microsoft has also doubled down on letting go of different projects heads. And that seems to make investors happy. They're hearing AI, 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 and we're getting rid of people and shareholders are ghouls who seem to uh, value uh, when humans lose their jobs and are more vulnerable. And that makes them happy that the stock price will now go up a point of a percentage. So yeah, that, that sounds more reasonable to me. Is that a 0.07, 0.06, 0. 0.07 uh, difference in, in trillions of dollars. <laughs> so was it 0.07? So like $70 billion market value difference between the two of them. Apple can make that up in a fiscal quarter. <laughs> they'll, 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 they'll announce a quarterly of like $40 billion and then I'll be like, okay, yeah, Apple still makes a lot of money. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm real, 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 I'm really amused using Bing chat to look up these differences. I got completely wrecked and jumped in on it and believed it. And if anyone now needs good evidence of AI not contributing to relevant search, You've got this podcast clip ready to go. <laughs> so yeah, um, from JGJ asking the question, I, I feel like we're going to be in for another era of tech recovering or rebounding from the hiring days and the remote work policies of the pandemic. It's funny that we're still feeling the impacts of that today. But you can only lay off staff to improve your financials to a point. And after that point, you then need to go on yet another hiring binge. And this to me is, I feel emblematic of one of the problems we see in big tech where we see these companies starting to throw money at like uh, moonshot type projects. And want to get people really excited about what, like, the next exciting thing in technology is going to be. And they're hyping this up. And they're so focused on trying to disrupt or trying to impress that they're not doing a very good job of maintenance. I think Google sets the standard for this. They are constantly 
ramping up on a new exciting project and then killing something that people that they had an established audience, but you know, they didn't have enough people using it. So instead of iterating and building and improving, we see new dead, new dead, new dead. And I think consumers are done with that. I really feel like I I, want to use VR as an example, because I've said this in previous podcasts, Apple will have more credibility in mixed reality for never having done VR before. Google and Samsung are working together and Samsung's going to come out with a new headset and Google scrapped their AR plans to build the software that will get everyone into using a Google flavor of VR and that will have zero credibility with consumers. None. It's going to be Stadia. Because Samsung has dabbled with VR, with Gear VR, and they dabbled with mixed reality with the Microsoft platform on the Odyssey headsets, and then Samsung left the scene. Samsung left users high and dry. There was no follow-through. There was no investment. There was no upkeep. You bought a Gear VR headset, and it lasted for a couple years, and then nothing. Your investment in time, in money, in education vanished. And Google did the same. They had cardboard and then daydream and then they walked away. I'm not going to trust. Who here is going to trust a first generation Samsung Google VR headset? No one. But even if the, the Vision Pro, even if Apple's mixed reality headset is basically just developer kit and it's kind of garbage for consumers, Apple has a reputation that they'll iterate. There are far fewer uh, gravestones in Apple's uh, graveyard for projects that got just axed. I mean, like off the top of my head, I'm thinking about like one-offs, like their Bluetooth speaker strategy was pretty pants on head stupid, <laughs> right? But they still iterated on their audio and streaming and Apple TV. Apple TV was not a great buy early on in what Apple TV represented. And Apple kept the name and kept iterating on what Apple TV was. They changed what Apple TV was, but they kept the name, and consumers felt like that was a more consistent and a more uh, a more grounded device strategy. If Google had stuck with Hangouts, but changed all of the underlying code and changed all of the, uh, the ways that it interacted, and instead of Allo and Duo, they had just stapled those together and made that the new Hangouts, consumers wouldn't have left Hangouts but that's not what happened. <laughs> yeah, Dave Burns. I mean, we're talking about like individual features, right? Like 3D touch. Completely agree with you. Like there are some gravestones in Apple's graveyard, but not like Google. And even not like Microsoft. Even Microsoft has gotten pretty bad about kind of generating some interest and some excitement in a future product category and then just cutting it off at the knees. So... Um, <laughs> nation also air power you're right you're right no i mean like i'm not trying to diminish apple is guilty of this as well but i feel like google has this consistent problem that when they come out with something new they're not leveraging their existing user base they're forcing that user base to build you know pick up a new app and then use that like look at um duo you like their video calling strategy now it's Google Meet. You know, like, even with something like that, you could have just kept the name. 
what I know duo was supposed to be one-on-one FaceTime style calls and now you can have a group call. So I guess it's not a duo anymore, but why would you have named a duo? Why not just keep it hangouts? Cause we're all hanging out. <laughs> so I, uh, I, I, I feel like, unfortunately, we're in for another year of quarter after quarter companies trying to find where their bottom is. Like, how do we hit rock bottom with our personnel? And how do we make those costs look like more attractive moves to investors? And I think this is going to be kind of a conservative year for a lot of these companies because if you're so intent on getting rid of so many employees, that means you have less resources for actually managing your products, um, you know, iterating on future initiatives, your R&D spends change. All of this has ripple effects. Now, a lot of these layoffs are probably going to be in other areas too, like HR or in uh, recruiting, and that's fine. But... If you've got talent going out there, I feel like this is a prime time. Like there, there was an era in cinema when I was a kid where we went from like these big studio films to this like glorious golden age of indie filmmaking. Lots of people were leaving the major studios. Directors and producers were looking at like ultra low budget filmmaking. And we got like this exciting era, you know, sort of into the late 90s of filmmaking that changed our perception on, you know, profits, you know, like the business of it, not, not just the content, the content was amazing and it was disruptive. And, and we saw all these incredible, like low, low budget efforts. And I kind of feel like we're heading into another era of that across the board. I feel we look at the top heaviness of, of a, of an outlet like Disney and they own these massive, huge conglomerates and all of these big IPs. And then like a little indie film can just sneak in and completely shock audiences. Yeah, you're going to have like your Top Gun Mavericks. You're going to have your boomer um, appeasement films that get people excited about going to the movies. And I don't want to take anything away from Top Gun Maverick because it was an achievement in filmmaking. But let's not act like that was such an important movie in terms of story and message. And it was an incredibly big budget to arrive at one of the most successful movies of all time. You've got James Cameron continuing on the Avatar train incredibly profitable films, but also some of the most expensive films ever made. And then you have like a whole underground scene of like ultra low budget horror that's doing interesting and disruptive things and kind of finding that next, that next conversation in, in filmmaking. I'm really hoping that when we look at game studios, paring down thousands of employees and we look at big tech, letting thousands thousands of employees go. And we're already ahead of layoffs in 2023, you know, to this time, you know, the end of January, we're already eclipsing the number of layoffs we saw in 2023. Um, I hope that this means we're in for a turn of indie projects, development, software, and hardware. Someone's getting bumped from Microsoft and they've got expertise and they're an expert in their field and they can go and make some other play. Maybe this is where we see indie software kind of take a rise, indie services. And not just with the, I'm speaking really hopefully and really aspirationally. I don't know that this is going to happen. I really hope it does. Everything is stacked against this actually manifesting, but I'm trying to like put it out into the cosmos that it, 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 it becomes the trend 
um, I would want to see. But this might become where we see a part of this market get disrupted. Someone comes in with a small little project and they're not doing it just to get bought out by Facebook. They're not making a cool new little widget just to get bought out by Microsoft. And they make something that's really fun to use on our phones. And it's something that Apple can't just copy and put into the iPhone. Apple likes to do that a lot too. Or just buy up their competition also. So that, that to me is the hope. It's a big hope. It's a big if. But JGJ, when I see like that trend play out, now we see how many people are, are really anxious. Like some close friends of ours that have on both sides have gone through getting laid off and it's devastating to their families. And then people who keep their jobs, they survived that round of cullings. They're not relieved. Oh, I still have a job. That's great. I'm going to come to work and I'm going to really show them that I can do this job. No. Oh no. You dump a whole round of layoffs on a company. Those employees are emotionally exhausted for weeks It's like this new employment PTSD. I'm not trying to make light of people who have suffered traumatic events and suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm trying to help bridge that conversation that even if you survive a layoff, not all of your friends did, not all of your coworkers did, your workload is probably going to increase. Shareholder value went up. Executives are going to pat themselves on the back and make uh, higher bonuses. But the people who actually do the work, they're not happy. They've gone through something kind of traumatic. We see that play out. You know, they don't really announce the layoffs to the employees until they've got all their ducks in a row. But the news is out. So all of those employees are just waiting for the guillotine to drop. They're waiting for the hammer to fall. Am I the one that's going to get cut? You can't tell me that's a healthy place to be. That is an exhausting and terrible place to be. And we see some of the reaction to that, even from people who keep their jobs, that does kind of resemble a flavor of PTSD. Depression, emotionally exhausted, underperforming, overworked, underpaid. But you know what? Shareholder value went up a tenth. All worth it. Isn't it all worth We're in the best economy ever. The economy has never been healthier or more robust. People can't buy houses. Inflation is, has gone completely out of control. Prices at grocery stores haven't really leveled off. Uh, everything's more expensive. People are making less money. Buying power has dropped. And now thousands and thousands of people in the industry that's supposed to be the healthiest for a 21st century economy are losing their jobs. But you know what? For a brief period of time there, shareholder value was up two-tenths. And you know, that's just glorious. All those people who own that stock, boy, howdy, their stocks were worth a little bit more that day. (laughs) The SGGQA podcast is brought to you in part by Me Audio. So here's the deal. If you've ever seen me in a live stream or in an interview or some other kind of video, you've probably seen me wearing some fancy earbuds. For the last couple years, my work buds have been almost exclusively from Me Audio. Excellent drivers, fantastic accessories, and both my wife and I had our ears scanned by the folks at Me Audio for custom molded ear tips. Super comfy. 
The MX line of Pro in-ear monitors is one of the easiest lineups to understand, starting at $60 and built around actual professional use. Detailed sound and durable construction, but also with some fun options like customizable faceplates. Even if you're not working on stage or in studio, Pro solutions like these are fantastic audio options and they don't need to break the bank. And the company also supports a lineup of consumer gear with options for true wireless and noise-canceling Bluetooth earbuds, adapters for TVs to stream your audio to nicer headphones, and headsets for kids to help control the volume on fresh, developing ears. I can't stress that last one enough. We have to start kids out with healthier listening habits. It's a great combo, high-quality audio gear built by a team of folks with recording-grade use in mind, but at consumer-friendly prices. But of course, I can do you one better. If you shop the kit at meaudio.com and use promo code SOMEGADGETGUY at checkout, you can save an additional 10% over their already competitive prices. Once again, meaudio.com, M-E-E, audio.com. Shop some fun kit, promo code SOMEGADGETGUY at checkout, 10% off. Keep your ears and your wallet happy at the same time. I want to thank the folks at MeAudio for hooking up the promo code now. Let's get on with the show. <sighs> so, yeah, the layoffs have been pretty brutal. And I, I'm constantly reaching out to some family and friends who are kind of uh, k- kind of affected by all that. Dave Burns, Housing Crisis 2, Techno Boogaloo. Oh, man, I, I w- we were so upset when we bought in at the interest rate that we did. You know, our little, our little condo townhouse here was sort of the best case scenario with our current buying power. We couldn't get, like, a home home. So we're in this cute little condo. And now I look at some of my friends that are trying to get into the market. And I'm so happy we locked in the interest rate we did because I'm just shocked at how brutal this market has gotten. And I don't understand how anyone could get in now without, you know, an order of magnitude more money than what Marie and I earn combined together now it's what goat is saying rent is absurd but i'm happy those people can afford their vacation homes and it's just a constant kind of ire it's like this little pebble in your shoe that you can't let go of and that it's it's always like even marie was saying like we all know that these like corporate overlords sort of rule our destiny but it's on days like Facebook laying off a thousand people that it just punches you in the face. Like you can't just circumvent that. You can't just sidestep it and just get on with your day. It's like, it's never been more palpable. It's never been more apparent. You've never, we haven't felt it as much as we do right now. And I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that that leads to something actually disruptive in this space. That's what I'm hoping. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> Colonel, Colonel Corn Pop. This is a joke it comes up often, and it's terrible because it's so dystopian. What, was it a New Yorker cartoon? I can see the comic in my head of, like, a guy in a tattered business suit sitting in front of a little campfire talking to younger people all dressed in rags. Uh, yeah, we destroyed the environment and created a total ecological collapse, but for a moment in time... We created a lot of value for shareholders. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's great. 
Uh, Muppinish is saying the Windows on Duo just announced that they're going to have a one command installer for the whole thing next week. You should try it soon at some gadget guy. I am anxious about messing with my duos. I haven't jumped on the Windows. You can do a Windows on ARM build for the duos, but if it's a simple installer, I might give it a shot. I just want to know that I've got an easy way to flash it back because my duos are going to be museum pieces. I'm really enjoying my time with the OnePlus Open, and I've got... Ah, it's just out of reach. It's right over here. You know what? I, I, I went to the bookshelf to go get the iPhones. I can move my chair just to pick up my Pixel Fold. I've actually been spending a lot of time with the Pixel Fold. I need to charge it. I'm going to plug it in right now. I've actually been spending a lot of time with the Pixel Fold lately just because I kind of like it a little better for streaming. Um, when I'm watching a movie and I'm cooking in the kitchen... I think the Pixel Fold is a little bit better for media consumption than the OnePlus Open. But the second I need a better computer, I'm reaching for the Open is just noticeably more powerful and power efficient than my Pixel Fold. Um, But now that I've got a OnePlus foldable and a Google foldable, I suppose I can take one of my Open, uh, one of my Duos, Man, my brain is Swiss cheese. I can take one of my duos and try doing Windows on ARM because I really do like Windows on ARM. I think I kind of want to do it to the the Duo 2 if they've got a good installer for that. The slightly more powerful of the two duos. And I really want to leave my Duo 1 as the museum piece because it's still the cute little composition notebook skin that I've got on it and the little pen that's sort of stuck to the outside. And I want to leave this as like the museum piece. This is the stock. This is what the duo was. So maybe my duo too can be a windows on arm experiment. (laughs) Um, Oh, I'm up and it's just saying the duo two is slower and buggier at this time. Sorry. Oh, I've got some choices then. I really got to figure out what I want to do about that. I I will. I will give it a shot. And I am very interested in what we can do for some of these experiments. It's just, I don't know, things like this are just kind of precious to me. There was something so magical about the time when we got the announcement on the Duo. And it was like nothing we had ever seen. And it was a totally different take and experiment on making a mini folding tablet. I kind of just don't want to let go of that magic. But at, at some point... You just got to pull the Band-Aid off, and I, I guess I'll give it a try. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Nation is saying, I wish I kept my duo. Uh, my duo, uh, after a point, like, it didn't make any sense to try and sell it or trade it in. Um, you know, I guess now we've kind of gone through a phase where the prices have bumped back up a little bit just because of the how few of them are out on the market right now. Um, but I, I got my duo one by trading in my iPhone XS. So the iPhone XS, I was really like, yeah, I'm going to use this and have Apple coverage and Android coverage. And then the XS was just so poorly managed by Apple. And it missed out on a whole bunch of updates. And then it got camera updates later, but it still didn't get newer features. And it just put such a sour taste in my mouth. How poorly Apple actually supported that version of the iPhone. I traded in the iPhone XS and uh, I got like, I got, I, I think I got almost twice for the trade in from Microsoft 
as I would have if I'd sold the iPhone on Swappa. So that was a good trade-in for me. But now, I mean, ever since then, I've just... My Duo's my baby. <laughs> I love this. I love this dual display crazy experiment from Microsoft. So, I don't know. Oh, Nation, I, got, I bought mine quite cheap and got back what I paid. That's good. That's solid. I, you know, anytime you can pull that off, that's a win. I love hearing that. So, um, we're getting down into, I don't know, um, last 10 minutes here. Uh, anything we want to close out on? I, I feel, I feel kind of talked to death on, uh, like Galaxy S24 announcements. I got to play with the S24 Ultra. I had lunch with TK and, uh, um, I got to just kind of poke around on his S24 Ultra and it's, it's fine. It's a fine phone. It's good. It's going to be the, the sort of top pick if you're looking at a phone to be a computer and you want a feature like Dex. I, I kind of feel the same saying that as I did with the S23 Ultra last year. It's just not doing anything to kind of light me up on Samsung being called a market leader because it feels like such a catch-up to other phones in things like camera performance and it doesn't seem like it's really pushing the boundaries on anything unique to Samsung. So I, I'm kind of eh, there. Uh, Mr. Pass 101, is anyone else having issues with the OnePlus Open cutting video and music when going between apps? Like I'll be watching YouTube and when I switch to another app, the sound will go out. I have not had any issues like that, but my usage is also kind of weird. So... I genuinely prefer watching YouTube in a browser because I can tell Firefox to keep streaming YouTube, keep streaming the audio, even if YouTube, even if the screen is off. And I don't feel I should have to pay YouTube just to get screen off playback. I'm doing them a favor by using less bandwidth. So I feel they should give that to me for free. <laughs> um, but like I use a, a lot of other video streaming services and I, I especially I'll use services like Plex and Plex is on my NOS. All the movies are on my NOS. And even then Plex seems to be keeping stuff going even when I'm pretty heavy multitasking on my open. So I'm not sure what... Um, what what might be causing like audio cutouts or other issues. I will say the Cobuzz often has audio cutouts, but that's just because the Cobuzz app is kind of garbage. So if you're doing anything else, Cobuzz will often stutter or skip in the background as you're doing other things. Like if I just have Cobuzz on my phone and I'm walking around the neighborhood, it's usually fine. But if I have Cobuzz on, I'm listening to music and then I'm like pulling up a spreadsheet and then also checking my email, Cobuzz will stutter a lot. And I, I pretty much blame Cobuzz on that. Uh, let's see. Oh, Simon says Hypno's going off to a psychology lecture. Hey, have a good lecture. Psychology's fun. Go tinker with your brain. It's cool. Um, let's see. <laughs> Barry Johnson won, but what about the S24 Ultra SEO? Well, I've already missed it. Yeah, the peak for Samsung as a trending topic was the day of Unpacked. Every day since. Let, let's check it out. Let's go to Google Analytics. I bet you there's a little bit of a bump just because people have been getting their pre-orders now. 
Hold it X. And we'll, we'll do a really broad search. We'll just do Galaxy S24. Let's see what the trend is. It'd be nice to see if we got a second peak. Because I feel like if we get a second peak, then that means there is actually some traffic or some interest. Man, it, yeah, my browser's just going really crazy. That's not what I wanted. Oh, is it Google Trends? Is that what I want? Trends.google.com? I can never remember if it's trends or analytics. Analytics should be ads. Yeah, okay, I had that wrong. Um, let's do a search for Galaxy S24. Oh, so annoying. Enter a keyword to see how it's doing. Super Bowl teams, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, L-V-I-I. I want Galaxy S24. <sighs> it's slowly pulling up this. I have no idea why, why this, this is, is tanking so bad. Um, I know my, it's not my data connection. I feel like that's been doing fine. I haven't been like stuttering or cutting out, right? Oh, this is one of the, what are you doing? It just gave me Super Bowl teams again. Galaxy, Google is hallucinating right now. Galaxy S24. No, I want to play global thermal nuclear war. How about a nice game of chess? No, not chess. Global thermal nuclear war. Wow, there's like no extra peak. Let me do past 30 days. Usually we see a more of a bump. Oh, man. Wow. That's pretty bad. Okay, so I just did past 30 days. Let me screenshot this. This is worse than the S23. Um, there is no SEO. So here we get to unpacked January 17th into January 18th. That's our peak. So Google is rating that at like 100. You know, the peak interest over the last 30 days. And it decrescendos from the 18th to the 21st, plummets into the 22nd. And our big lift now on the 24th, as we're starting to see a few people getting their pre-orders, uh, is nowhere near the 21st. So after it had, it had already fallen off a cliff, our search interest is almost half what it was three days ago. And it's already on a downswing again, according to Google Trends and Google Analytics. That's horrible. People who were just starting to get their S24 Ultras now are basically already, they're already done with the conversation. That is completely incorrect. This is exactly when we should be seeing people who really spent their money on the phone getting to contribute to the conversation. It's all ratcheted. So again, like when Hassan was saying like, hey, it's really cool that, you know, they set pre-order, pre-order sales records. Because I feel like people are ordering sooner and sooner and sooner if they're really trying to cash in on those trading deals. And then there aren't, there isn't any momentum to traffic, to search, to videos, to commentary, or to sales after that peak window. Until Samsung has like another sale and they can kind of, you know, kind of get a few more people maybe into the holidays buying Galaxy phones, like 
it's already kind of a done topic. It's already kind of dead. So yeah, there's no SEO. <clears throat> I'm probably going to try and borrow an S24 Ultra at some point, And I'm seriously considering only putting up that commentary on Patreon. I, I don't want to promote Samsung. I don't want to work with Samsung. And if I borrow one, I'll also be very conservative about mentioning who I borrow the phone from because Samsung PR is punitive enough that if they see I borrowed a phone from someone that they would not want to do business with that other techie. That's how toxic Apple and Samsung PR can get. So maybe, I don't know, in a month when it's properly a dead topic and I can do a camera review and talk about decks. And I think that'll only live on the Patreon. I don't, I don't have any interest in bringing it to public YouTube. But yeah, it's, it's already gone. If I were to jump on board now, let's say I throw in my money. <laughs> I throw in my meager gadget budget for the year and I decide, hey, you know, I'll, I'll buy an S24 Ultra and really give Samsung a fair shake. I will get nothing for that. It will not contribute to my fin- financials at all. YouTube is going to poop all over my engagement. They're going to still keep me from my audience. I still won't be on a trending topic because the S24 is already a dead topic there's no benefit. There is no benefit for me uh, jumping on this now. So Copa Cash, I'm, I'm, uh, whoops, I don't want to block Copa Cash. Stop it. Stop it. Reply. Sorry, hold on one second. I almost blocked someone and I didn't want to do that. So no S24 ultra camera deep dive. I'm still going to do a camera review. It just won't be right away. I'm still not done with my Pixel 8 Pro camera review. These things take a long time. I'm very slow at doing that. Um, There will be one. I promise you, I will do an S24 Ultra camera deep dive. Uh, But like any of the other things that I do in camera deep dives, that's not going to be public. So uh, those are only on the Patreon. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) <laughs> DT and Anil. So Juan, is your NAS a little one or a big one? Is a little NAS? <laughs> uh, Dave Burns, how is using your mini PC as your transcoder? So I was trying to play around with an AMD mini PC to get it up to speed. I installed uh, Mint, uh, a Linux build. And I think I need to switch it over to just a regular Ubuntu, Ubuntu um, build. But the way that Linux maps network drives is still horrifically stupid. Um, It's technically better if you're really managing a network. I understand that. But if you're in a little home network on Windows, I find the network drive and I say map the network drive. I right-click on it and then I assign it a drive letter. And every program on that computer can find the network share and then interact with it as if it were attached directly into that computer. On Linux, I've got to do all these approvals, and I've got to map, and then it doesn't really map, and if I reboot, I have to remap, but then I can't point Plex to find a network share. I actually have to go into editing a bunch of uh, document uh, note-style files to point Plex to finding a network share that exists as like a virtual drive. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work on what I've currently installed. So I did swap out. I am using an, uh, a mini, uh, a Geekom system. I stepped up from my uh, Celeron style solution to a proper AMD Radeon 6800 mobile uh, mini PC. It's, 
it's a beefier little mini computer and it's been awesome. <laughs> I still have the problems with Windows where for some reason it'll do something like update an app in the store and then Plex will just shut off. And I'll have to go in and actually push the power button on the mini PC. It doesn't matter what I do to the hibernation settings or to the reboot settings or get approval before you install a Windows update. Something will happen and Plex will be turned off. And I don't, I haven't been able to catch it because I need to be like watching when it happens, but it's a headless unit. I don't have it connected to monitors and keyboards. So I have to walk over there with one of my laptop docks, plug it in, get it all sorted and started. And as soon as it fires up the screen, it wakes up again. The computer never really gets shut off. The computer never really reboots. But just looking at the desktop is enough to tell Plex, oh, you should still be working. That minor issue aside, it's so nice having that like lump of compute power dedicated to doing things like I'm out and about and I was watching a movie on Plex and it's a 4K Blu-ray rip and now it's still kind of slow. It's not as fast as like getting a reduced quality stream on Netflix, but it'll, it'll tackle a 720p conversion on the fly and it, it works a lot better than I was expecting it to. So now if someone's watching off my Plex and I'm working here in my office, I can keep my NAS doing the 4K video from my bucket of hard drives directly to my workstation, and someone else is using the mini PC just to get the data from my NAS, but the mini PC is doing the conversion. So I, I'm not, my, my productivity doesn't tank if someone else is watching a movie on the Plex. It's, it's pretty great. I, I, I really like it a lot. I'm hoping to be playing a little bit more with a few more of these mini PCs coming out because one of the thing, one of the reasons why I'm not trying to buy every single new phone coming out, I fought back the urge to get the new Find X7 Ultra. I'm not going to buy an S24 Ultra. I'm really anxious as to whether or not I will jump on a Xiaomi 14 Ultra because I want to put more of the budget for phones we would normally put on phones and I want to get a couple Windows on ARM laptops as we get through this year. I'm, I'm playing with some 12th gen and some 13th gen Intel machines. I, I've been showing off this rugged uh, laptop. I've got the, G, uh, I don't know if it's GTAC or GTAC. I really do need to follow with the PR how to pronounce the company name. But this is just an armor-plated, rugged, super awesome. I love this hardware. Um, so playing with a couple more Intel machines and mini PCs, because then I want to showcase, like, like here's, here's a mini box that's running an AMD 7800 HS. This is a beast of a little mini PC. And now here's Windows on ARM with the new Qualcomm chip, and how do they compare against each other? This box can peak at like 50 watts. This machine peaks at like 30 watts. Go. Fight. <laughs> so I'm going to try and save a bit more of that. I, I'm never going to be at the level of like Hardware Unboxed or Gamers Nexus. Like I can't do that. But I do feel qualified to start talking about Windows on ARM can do this and Windows x86 can do that. And... I personally am really anxious about what we can do for consumers in the uh, in the sort of ARM chip 
strategy this year. Uh, oh, Jermaine, like it didn't survive at all. Jermaine, oh yeah, that peak is gone. It's so, it's so sudden. Like three days. You got interest on YouTube for Galaxy, for Samsung's newest phone, for three days. Oh, so rough. <laughs> oh, thank you for saying there wasn't any issues with the stream. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't know why. My, my system is really struggling to pull up web pages right now. I don't think it's the data connection. I think my workstation is just chewing on something when it shouldn't be. Uh, so maybe, I don't know, maybe I have a virus because Macs don't get viruses. <laughs> um, uh, Goat V8, I'm very unimpressed with the AI. What are your brief thoughts? Um, I am very impressed with what Google Gemini is showcasing, but none of that is unique to any one phone. Google Gemini and Google Bard are server-style AI, and eventually all of those tools are going to be available to Android. Like, they're not going to be unique to one phone. I, I, I mentioned this before. I think I mentioned this on Easy's. Uh, so Easy Computer Solutions did a stream, uh, and they, you know, I was, we had just taken the embargo off of the OnePlus 12, and I jumped in to talk about the OnePlus 12. So uh, apologies if you caught that stream. I'm kind of repeating myself here. But the, um, the big fight is going to be between corporations like Google, Amazon, and Microsoft pushing cloud AI services, which require super fast data connections, against a whole slew of more uh, Asian and Pacific region countries where consumers can't count on the same reliability of data connection, and they're not super locked in to one platform of cloud services. So they're not entirely on Google. They're not entirely on Microsoft. And those regions are really going to be pushing on-device AI. And I think that we see that split pretty clearly. We look at everything that's new that Xiaomi is doing in HyperOS, and then we look at like uh, the OnePlus 12. Let me make sure I pick up the right phone here. And the, the nifty new trick that the OnePlus 12 is showing off. Oh, no, come on, turn on. There we go. Uh, the nifty new trick that the OnePlus 12... Is, oh, nope, that's a GIF. The, I'm, I'm trying to just show the, the long press um, subject identification. And, and I'm struggling to come up with a photo that can do that. So let me find a photo. So here, here's a dandelion. And you long press on the photo. And it doesn't matter if that was a portrait mode shot or not. The AI is really good at you know, finding the borders and the edges and the details. That's a fun little gimmick. AI gimmick, right? I mean, that's not groundbreaking or revolutionary. But it's just that we made it such a smooth gesture. And it's done on the device. And you don't need to have any kind of data connection to do stuff like that. That's, I think, going to be the big fight. Google wants you to use Gemini. And they're working with Samsung to make all of these cool server-side AI tools that if you're in a more developed region and you have LTE and you have 5G, you might not notice when information just went up to the cloud, got worked on, and came back. But I'm way less interested in Google's stylized photo 
for example. Because to do a stylized photo on the Pixel, I need to back up that photo in my G Drive, in, in Google Photos, and then Google works on that photo up in the cloud and then sends me some samples down to the phone. And it's a really clumsy interaction. Whereas here, I can do a quick cutout, cut that out, save it as a transparency, drop that in on top. That's actually, as, as we close out this podcast, the thumbnail for this podcast, I did a funny little joke. I, uh, I, I, I quipped um, across social media, does anyone else think BMWs look a little like capybaras? The, the world's largest rodent. And I found this photo of a capybara at the same angle as like the nose of a BMW M3. I think they're adorable. I think the BMW is kind of cute because to me, this new large grill BMW kind of looks a little rodenty. And the way that they both have like the BMW's headlights have a very kind of aggressive rake to them, look like the kind of slant on the eyelids of the capybara. The ears look like the, the rear view mirrors, the side mirrors on the BMW M3. I think it's adorable. <laughs> So uh, I posted this look. What I did was I found a photo of a capybara. I long pressed on that photo. The OnePlus 12 cut out the capybara. I dropped that into Sketchpad. That's an app from Autodesk. And so I open up the BMW M3 photo and I've got a transparency cutout of the capybara and I just had to flip it. So I did a transform. I flipped horizontally and then I saved it as a new photo. And it took me like a minute to do on the OnePlus 12. If I did like stylized photos or other AI or I did a prompt, like do, do an AI prompt of put a capybara next to a BMW M3 would have taken so much longer than just doing this cutout and transparency and layer. It's, it's layered image editing. So um, that to me, sorry, I, my thoughts weren't very brief, Goat, but we are really early in this AI race. I think in North America, we're going to see cloud services get more attention. And then I think elsewhere in the world, we're going to see people value on device a lot more because it's going to be more reliable. And that's where we need to have a really big fight. What developers are, developers, are they going to be more interested in making plugins for a server that Google and Amazon and Microsoft control or... Are they going to look at opportunities to use all of this like neural hardware and AI cores and on-device machine learning hardware on the phones? And I think MediaTek and Qualcomm are going to try and push a more on-device conversation and Google and Samsung and Microsoft are going to be talking more about the cloud. And that's, that's exactly where we get competition. So that's where I think we should be. This is raw, this is new, and I don't believe AI has proven its usefulness, especially if you're asking about companies' market value. Boy, howdy, did, did Bing and, and Microsoft get that totally wrong for us today. <laughs> oh, I know, Barry, the long press is so cool. I, again, Samsung can do stuff like this. Google can do stuff like this. But, like, it's such a simple gesture. It's like circle the search. It's cool. Because it's so simple. You've turned a complicated um, action into a simple gesture. And I feel OnePlus deserves just as much credit for, the, for long press 
uh, subject cutout as Google does for circle to search. Yeah, goat. I think we're all in the same boat there. Samsung calling the Ultra the AI phone just didn't feel very earned, IMO. And uh, for all of their press conference leading up to Samsung Unpacked, the new era of mobile AI isn't very impressive when most of what they showed off is just going to be Google Gemini, and every other phone should be able to do it at some point, too. So we're going to go ahead and put a pin in this now. I've gone a little over... Um, but, uh, folks, uh, thanks for jumping in on this. I, I really appreciated this conversation, uh, getting to kind of stray from the normal, like tech news and headlines. And I, I felt like today was just the perfect day to explore a little, you know, we got through some big product launches into next week. I'm sure we're going to be getting some more news. We're all going to be gearing up now that we're hitting February, we're all going to be gearing up for MWC. And I'm really anxious to see what companies do for MWC because, Xiaomi and Vivo were ahead of the curve launching phones in 2023, at the end of 2023. So I'll I'll be curious to see where do we go from there. But this week just felt like we had a nice little pocket. And in sharing that story about Lex and also just hearing the replies and and getting to have this conversation, that, that kind of stuff really means a lot to me because if we're not talking about that human experience in all of this technology, then it's really easy for us to lose our way. It's really easy for us to just kind of memorize specs and regurgitate bigger numbers and act like that's the conversation. The conversation is, what do we do with it? And who's using it? And how can we empower more people to get more out of all of this? So um, next week, we'll be back on our regular schedule. But this whole week, we're going to have lots of cool conversations happening across tech with Gadget Goddess and Easy Computer Solutions and uh, LaShawn, uh, Barry, Engineer Reacts, and Ike, um, Ike's Tech Talk. And I'm hoping to kind of nudge Scott Peachy back into maybe streaming some more because I love what Scott brings to these conversations too. But that's also part of the problem is a lot of us are facing that kind of burnout. You know, we're, we're, it's, it's exhausting, you know, shouting out into the void. And then like, I got a like on threads. That's enough to keep me motivated. So it's always the mission of our crew and I'm preaching to the choir, but, um, I hope that we are continuing that mission of trying to support the people we feel deserve more attention. So, uh, I hope everybody has an amazing week. I want you to do awesome with your technology. I want you to be awesome with your technology. I'll catch you back here next week for another episode of the Monday morning tech chat show on the SUGQA podcast channel. Be safe. Take care. I love you all. I'll catch you back. Recording voiceover spoken word is truly one of my favorite activities. My second favorite hobby is photography. Now, the smartphone might be making us deaf, but we can't deny the awesome power of the phone as a platform for photography and multimedia creation. If you've been looking to improve your mobile photog skills, if you want to produce more professional content, or you're just looking to take your family photos to the next level, I wrote a book to help you out with that. Take Better Photos, Smartphone Photography for Noobs is available on Amazon Kindle. Walking through the basic terminology of photography, covering the settings on your camera, discussing composition and inspiration, and I even include a long list of exercises and challenges to really hone your skills, all with some helpful example photos and diagrams. Search for Take Better Photos, Smartphone Photography for Noobs on Amazon, or use the quick link bit.ly slash betterphotosbook to grab your copy today.